0: welcome church beautiful children men and women of God what a beautiful day it is not because of the weather but because of his grace and his mercy and now as today marks the fifth Sunday of Lent can we all come together and sing nothing that can separate as a preparation for today's message now as we sing this remember this don't worry about what you are in your circumstance or what you have or what you don't have it's not about what i have or what i don't have for he gives and he takes away but the goal is to praise his name the lord gives and he takes away and may the name of the lord be praised come praise him all praise him may that be the praise of our hearts this very morning let's sing together hosanna light of salvation Just the voices come praising.
1: Come praising, oh praising, he gave me eternal life.
0: You prepare a table, a feast before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint, honor my head with oil. And my cup overflows, meaning with blessings, my cup runs over. Heavenly Father, when we come before your holy presence, there's never where we lack. And there will always be left over. For God, you give us more than we ever need. So God, we just want to praise you and worship you for the blessings that we have. It's not about what I have or what I don't have. It's not about my circumstances, but it's about my heart being in line with who you are and whose I am. So God, we trust in who you are, and in who you are, you provide with everything that we need. Lord, there's never a time we lack anything. So God, we praise you today, and as you transition now to the message, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts for those who are here today to hear your word, I pray, that we'll be receptive and to be ready to hear your word. For God, you are our rock and our redeemer, our king and our Lord. We praise you, we love you. Pray all these things. And your precious son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen, amen. and amen. It's good to be here in the house of God. Can we all just take this moment to greet our fellow neighbors? So today's title is called, All Praise Him, All Praise Him. A lot of people are posting up videos on how expensive gas is. They even have a Biden sticker that they put on, it's my fault him saying it's my fault, I did this, I created this. But I wanna go about it in a different way. Rather than complaining about the inflation, and of course inflation is bad, people are suffering, people are having a hard time, especially with gas. But we do not worship God based on circumstance as Christian men and women of God, but on who he is. We do not come to church we do not live life with complaining hearts, but with grateful hearts. Amen? Let us remember back, back when when we didn't even have a place, when we met in cars in the morning, in parking lots, or sometimes at cafes, when we do morning prayers together, when we did not have a physical building, a physical location to come together to worship together. So when I say, all oh, praise him, I'm basing off of Verse 5 of Psalm chapter 23, where it says, You prepare a table, meaning a feast, is a buffet before me. In the presence of my enemies, we live in a dark world. The prince of this world is Satan. But we are not in his domain. We live and we are under the domain of the presence of God. And his presence overpowers all evil, all darkness. So even in the presence of my enemies, you prepare a feast, a table before me. You anoint, you honor my head with oil. And my cup overflows with blessings. My cup runs over. Amen. And Amen. Godly men were shepherds in the Bible, and how Jesus Christ, that he is our shepherd. And where it says in 1 Peter 2.25, and I've been repeating this every week, for you are like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls, meaning he is our shepherd, and we are his sheep. And today, the passage that I want to connect with verse 5 of the 23rd chapter of Psalm are two scriptures. The first one is John 13, verse 1 through 9. And second is 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. Again, John 13, 1 through 9, 1 John 4, 19. Which I will read at the end. I know you guys are used to reading it in the beginning, but we're going to read it at the end. Just put that down as your note, as reference. And before we get to those passages, let us understand the context better in verse 5, where it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. What is the saying, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows? What does it mean to have God prepare a table, a feast before us in the presence of our enemies? We understand the context within the Middle Eastern culture that you do not share a meal when you have conflict with that individual. So if you owe someone money or if you have debt, you owe something to that individual. When you guys have a meal together, When you guys take on and have a feast together, it means all the debt have been washed clean slate. There's no more debt, meaning there's friendship. There's restoration within that relationship. So that's what it means when it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And where it says, you anoint my head with oil, in the Middle Eastern culture, when you invite an important guest, It's customary to anoint the invited guest with fragrant oil. Hence, we see before Jesus, he's about to go into Jerusalem. We see the story and the reference is Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 7, John 12, where it gives a story of this woman who comes and anoints Jesus before his burial. It's the story when he's being anointed with the alabaster jar of perfume, of oil. They come and they break themselves with tears, washing the feet of Jesus with her hair, anointing Jesus with the oil. And we see that this person recognized who Jesus was, how important this invited guest was. Where other men, they were just sitting and not doing anything, this individual recognized who Jesus was. Again, it's referenced Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 7, and John 12. But let me just go over two passages here within those four references. Let's start with Matthew chapter 26, verse 6 through 13. And the title says, Jesus anointed at Bethany. It says in verse six, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price And the money given to the poor aware of this jesus said to them why are you bothering this woman she has done a beautiful thing to me the poor you will always have with you but you will not always have me when she poured this perfume on my body she did it to prepare me for burial truly i tell you wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And the focus here is pour this perfume on my body. She did it to prepare me for burial. Let's go to the next story, Luke 7. A different story, a different woman found in a similar situation where she comes, she pours a jar of perfume on Jesus. He says in verse 36, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that she was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. The difference here between Matthew 26 is that Jesus is at a house of Simon the leper. Simon the leper, a different individual. Here is a different person. Different group of people, Pharisees. It says a sinful life, meaning she was most likely used to be a prostitute. Different circumstances, but very similar. And it says in verse 38, as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair kiss them and pour perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, "I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I enter has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven, little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this? who even forgave sins. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. These women, they understood the times and understood who stood before them. The undisputed, the distinguished, one and only king, the alpha, the omega, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And here is a reality check. Not everyone will recognize Jesus. For Isaiah 53, it tells us in verse 1 and 3, and it's not on the screen. It says, Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. And as followers of Jesus Christ, I pray today, I pray that we will recognize the season that we're in. May we recognize Jesus today. Palm Sunday is next week, which leads to the week of the Holy Week. Where we prepare ourselves for Good Friday and for Easter. May we give to him our everything, to give to him our all, all that we have, with all the opposition, with all the hardships that we have faced and are facing and will be facing tomorrow. I want to remind you today, according to verse 5, of Psalm 23. All praise him, for I have. All praise him, for I have. Leading to point number one, the body of Christ. Having good things are good, but the only thing that I need, the only thing that I'm interested in, the only thing, God, that I want this year is your body, the body that was broken for me, the body of Jesus Christ. Oh, praise him. Oh, praise him. Oh, praise him. For I have the body of Christ. Do you have the body of Christ? These women, they were able to give their all They're life-saving all, the alabaster jar of perfume of all, because they had the body of Jesus Christ. They were preparing themselves, and they knew who Jesus Christ was, that in Christ, I have everything. Specifically here, I have the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus makes it very clear in John 6 that Jesus alone, where he says, I alone And the living bread that came down from heaven. And the people are confused. And what we're about to read in John 6, starting in verse 25, in the context is in the beginning of John 6, there's a feeding of 5,000. And whenever the Bible says 5,000, it's recording just the number of men, not including children and women. So if you include women and children, you could make that number higher to 15,000, 20,000. So Jesus, he feeds a number of 15,000 to 20,000 people. And they love him because there's leftover. Jesus is a superstar. He's doing miracles. They have not seen a miracle like this ever before. And they love Jesus. They want to follow Jesus. And then later, in verse 25, when the crowd follows him, as groupies, they follow him. Jesus, he starts speaking to them, That I alone am, the living bread that came down from heaven. If you do not eat me, if you do not eat my flesh, you do not have me. And you'll see all the number, the mass that used to love Jesus, they love Jesus. They love you when they when you perform miracles. They love you when you do things for them. Well, when Jesus gets to the heart of the matter, the true issue, the true solution of the salvation of your soul, they disperse and they all run away. The title says, Jesus, the bread of life, starting verse 25. When they, the same people who were fed, Earlier, the feeding of the 5,000, 20,000, like I said. Found them on the other side of the lake. They asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Jesus knows. How did you get here? It means Jesus gave us more. Jesus is like, I know what you're thinking. I know your intentions. You're only here because of the miracle that you just witnessed. Jesus, now he starts going to the heart of the matter, verse 27. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed a seal of approval. Jesus is saying, don't fill yourselves with temporary fulfillment, with temporary food. You eat and you become hungry. But he's talking about eternal food. He's not talking about food that will spoil on this earth, but food that will endure to eternal life. Verse 28, then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? They're so used to work, work and work, how to attain, by working. But Jesus makes it very clear, it's not by work that you are saved, it is by faith, where he says in verse 29, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has Sent nothing more and nothing less. And they're confused. Verse 30, so they asked them, What sign then will you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. But it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is a bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Sounds good. Give it to me. Verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Let's skip to verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Verse 57, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Verse 58, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Amen and amen. Oh, praise him, for I have the body of Christ. Do you have the body of Christ? Point number two. Oh, praise him, for I have the blood of Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. What is the reference here of the blood of Christ? Exodus chapter 12. Verse 21 to 30, this is where the Passover is referenced from. This is the story of Moses, and in this story it says in verse 21, Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put Some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the doorframe. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, you will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Skipping to verse 28. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and the Egyptians got up during the night. There was loud wailing in Egypt. For there was not a house without someone dead. Egypt represents those who reject Yahweh, who reject God. It's a symbol of the world, Egypt. It says there was wailing, loud wailing in Egypt, meaning when we live in the world and we live according to the standard of this world, there will be sadness, there will be defeat, there will be darkness. There will be depression. There will be not rejoicing, but loud wailing in Egypt. So the blood of Christ we see here is foretelling the story of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's talking about the blood of the Lamb, of what Jesus did on the cross for us. The spirit of death, it passed over the houses that had the blood of of the lamb, whoever did not slaughter the Passover lamb, whoever did not have the blood and the top and both sides of the door frame, on the top, the sides of the door frame, the destroyer came and killed all the firstborn in Egypt. But for those who had, they were saved and they were rescued. So it is the blood of Christ It is the blood of Jesus Christ that can and will and forever wash away all of our sins that can save us from the spirit of death. If not, the spirit of death will enter and we will die for all of eternity. We will die for good in all of eternity away from Jesus Christ. But if we have the blood of the Lamb, If I have the blood of Jesus Christ, there is restoration, there's salvation, and I will forever be washed and be saved. It's like the song, what can wash away my sin? And we sing it in nursing home all the time. right? Nothing but the blood of Jesus, what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Why must we praise him? For I have the body of Christ. For I have the blood of Christ where it says, you prepare a table, a feast before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint, you honor my head with oil. My cup overflows. And Jesus completes this verse, verse five of Psalm 23 in John chapter six. He is our feast. He is our everything. He is my food. He is my drink that will never run dry, and there will always be leftover. There will always be more than enough. I alone am the living bread that came down from heaven, the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you know it? Do you have it? Which leads to our last point, point number three. Oh, praise him for I have the shade of Christ. I don't know how I used to live without sunglasses. Sunglasses bring shade and protection to the eyes. And when I say the shade of Christ, I'm talking about being under the shadow of his domain being under the shadow of his wings being under the domain of his presence of his love it's the shade of his protection that's what i'm talking about all praise him for i have the shade of christ remember last week in verse 4 we talked about even though i walk through the darkest valley I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And it's hard doing a message, verse by verse, because it's hard to just isolate them, because they all come together. We need to—they all complement, and they are meant to go together. As we remember verse four, and reading in verse five, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Everything starts to come together. And next week as we go to the last verse of verse 6 of Psalm chapter 23. May us by then memorize, have memorized this whole chapter. Let it be our guide. Become one of our favorite psalms that when we go through hard times, that remember who our Jesus is, that he is our shepherd, and I lack nothing. When I say the shade of Christ, meaning under the shadow of his wings, being under the domain of his presence is the greatest blessing of all because within his presence, within his shade, There is letter A, his embrace. Letter B, his peace. Letter C, his hope. Letter D, his protection. E, his restoration. F, his redemption. G, his provision. H his anointing, and lastly, let letter I, his salvation, his salvation, I am saved, remember that, when you think of I, think of I am saved, not iRobot like Will Smith, he was on the news a lot this week, huh, <laughs> iPhone, iPad, iPod, iPod are for you old school people, His salvation, I am saved. And the scripture ends with this, Revelation 7, 16 to 17. And it is a promise that when we are in Christ, not only do we have his body, not only do we have his blood, but we are under his protection and under his domain. The scripture promises us, it says in Revelation seven, never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. And amen. I believe that this passage really completes this whole series of Psalm 23 that we're doing, where it ends with verse 17. For the lamb at the center, which is Jesus Christ. Remember in Exodus, we talked about the blood of the lamb. Everything is coming together. It's tying together now for the lamb. And Jesus is the lamb. He is the lion and the lamb the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. According to Psalm 23, he will lead them, lead us to springs of living water from green pasture. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen and amen. Closing with this. You know, what makes this whole message, this whole theme of Psalm 23 so beautiful, reminds us, number one, that Jesus is our shepherd, and number two, we lack nothing in Jesus Christ. That's it. Jesus is my shepherd, therefore I lack nothing. Wherever he leads me, wherever season or where I am in my life, what I have, what I don't have, he is my shepherd. I have everything i need as long as i have his body as long as i have his blood i am under the shadow under the shade of his protection in jesus christ nothing that the devil can throw he can do the lies and the whispers the rumors of people of evil people around you it doesn't matter because you're protected in the presence of jesus christ everything that he gives us it overflows there's left over my cup will never remain empty it will always be more than enough remember the two ladies that i mentioned in the beginning of the message of matthew 26 and luke 7 where they came and anointed the feet, the life of Jesus Christ to prepare for his burial. Now let's end with our main passage. Let's take a look at what Jesus, he does for us in John 13, verse one through nine. This is what Jesus does. Verse 1, it says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the end. The title is the infamous title. Jesus washes his disciples Verse 2, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around them. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And our next main passage, let's all read together. Ready? One, two, three. We love him because he first loved us. What is my point here? Matthew 26, Luke 7, these women, they came and it looked like Because of their act of faithfulness, Jesus, therefore, elevated them. But the truth and the reality is, Jesus had already saved them long before. It is Christ who saves us first and it is within that overflow of the salvation that is found in Jesus Christ that we act and we behave and we give all that we have to our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us not forget that it was Christ who washed our feet. It was Christ that anointed us first. It was Christ that rescued us first when we were back orphans, lost out in the world. We love him because he first loved us. It has nothing to do with us anointing the feet of Jesus. Rather, it has everything to do with Jesus anointing our 30 feet first. Will you recognize the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords this very morning? Will you remain blind forever? Will your eyes remain closed? forever three saddest characters in the bible number one pharaoh number two judas number three the rich young man may we never fall under that category any one of us can go in that direction the sin of apostasy May we never get lost in our pride and get lost in this season. When you have the body of Christ, when you have the blood of Christ, you have the shade of his protection. And that is everything that you need. Nothing more, nothing less. May we declare as Peter declare, and as Martha declare, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, God's Messiah. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. And as Martha said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. May we look to him and praise him, not for what I have, not for what I lack, but for who he is. I want to invite the praise team to come up at this time. With our eyes closed, as I read the words of the song to you, may it help assist you in your worship and in your prayer before the living God. Where it says, There is nothing that can separate. His great love has rested on me. Come, praise him. all praise him. He gave me eternal life. So with our eyes closed and with our right hand on the left side of our chest, our chest, our heart representing our life, our past, our present, our future, and for all of eternity, with just our voices, can we just sing? There is nothing that can separate. Come praise Him. All praise Him. Christian for a very long time. You have come to church for a very long time. And I'm afraid for you, and I'm afraid for us, and I'm afraid for myself. For we are losing the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Everything is shown according to the posture of our body, the attitude that is shown within our eyes, and what we show before the living God. When we're in the house of the Lord, Even in our posture, even in our speech, even in our thoughts, it must have reverence before the living and the holy God. Remember what happened to Uzzah. Remember what happened to the Israelites when they took the throne of God, the presence of God, the ark of God lightly. We come to church tired, yawning, our feet up, crossed casual lean back as if we're in our living room watching TV everything that we do is a reflection of our heart and what is seen within so as we sing this one more time as we remember the title of praise May we make this the cry and the genuine cry of our hearts and may we not let this moment pass by may we not become like Pharaoh too blind, too proud, where his heart becomes hardened to the point where God here allows his heart to become hardened or become like Judas, full of greed, full of blindness, full of hypocrisy, looking holier than thou. Oh, if only this alabaster job was sold and sold so that we can be used for the poor, Or how corrupted his heart was. He did not see. He was blind. He did not understand who Jesus Christ was. That he is more than enough. That he is our food. He is our portion. He is my drink. He is my all in all. That he gives everything more than enough. That there will always be left over. Will we not become like the young rich man choosing the world the desires of the riches of this world, not being able to give up, and surrendering their all to Jesus Christ. As we sing this one more time, may be a time of deep reflection. Do not take this lightly. I take this very seriously, as if we're in a car crash and the car is about to burn. Will you sit there, and just because I have escaped, your family members are in that car with you. Your friends are in the car with you. They're stuck within the door with the seatbelt. Will you just sit there and watch them die as a car is about to blow up? Will you just watch them as they're drifting into the ocean, drowning, crying out? Will you just sit there lightly just because you have tomorrow? You lie to yourself and you believe that tomorrow is promised to you when tomorrow is not guaranteed to any one of us. Take this moment seriously. Take this time seriously. May you turn back to the Lord and praise Him from the bottom of your heart. Do not take this lightly. May we take this moment and thank God for this time that He has given us. Lord, thank you, God, that you bring me conviction. Others may say I'm being extreme, well, Lord, this is the reality of the world. The devil saying he wants to blind us into believing that tomorrow is promised because of the youth and the health that we have. Oh, what a lie it is. Tomorrow is not promised. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. May you turn to the Lord today. Turn to him. The time of your wandering, the time of your compromising. You've done it enough. It is enough. It's time to turn to the Lord with humility and with repentance turn to him with thanksgiving turn to him with gratitude turn to him in your posture worship him with your hands worship him with your lips worship him with your heart give him your everything with your heart soul mind and strength worship him today for he deserves our everything he is our king and he is our Lord let us all sing together there's nothing that can separate they hunger never again will they thirst the Sun will not beat down on them nor any scorching heat for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their Shepherd he will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes Lord we turn to you with thanksgiving we turn to you with gratitude. Lord, we worship you today in spirit and in truth. We thank you. We love you. We pray all these things. And your precious son, just Christ. let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. I just want to show you guys some photos, an update of what's been going on in the Philippines and San Jose. Uh, so if you could look up at the screen. Uh, this is a church that some of us, we had the opportunity and the honor to work at. We did some of the constructions there, and last time when we gave our donation, uh, it came to this site. For the people who were here in the first mission trip, this was a site. I don't know if you remember, Brother Rico. They said that this is the site where we're going to build a church. And it's been many years now, and you can see that it's almost completed and you'll see people having worship. And what makes this area very special was that when they first came to this area, San Jose was an area where, because of the huge typhoon uh, that they had, all the people lost their homes and everything, the government brought the people who lost everything to this place, to this location. They had no access to water. The ground was, when I first visited, was full of dirt. It was not finished. But now it is finished. Cars are able to travel. And you see the growth of these people, not just physically, because when I saw them, there were little kids, little babies. Now they're teenagers and all grown. And you can see the beauty of God's work being done in their lives through small group, through worship, through the message. And what we donate, what we give, it is never in vain. What God takes from us For he can't take for it already belongs to him it already belongs to him we cannot give to him what is already his but we give it is a test that god gives us are we going to trust our riches are we going to hold on to our riches are we going to give to god according to what is already his will we be faithful in your giving will we be faithful in your pursuit after missions we may not be there physically but we can support financially and spiritually by praying for them i'm constantly in contact with pastor rolex and he's been going through hard times lost many members and churches all around the world are suffering i don't know if you guys are understand that or understanding this do not live in a bubble of america and the comfort of the walls and the roof that we have people all around the world overseas they're suffering and they're having difficulties especially with the government. And because the world is so anti-God, it is anti-Christ. We need to keep pursuing and being faithful in our giving in our praying in our giving to missions. I pray that you'll be encouraged through these photos and be reminded of God's goodness in our lives. So when we give, may we give out of the generosity of our heart. For what we have is a blessing from God. Remember back when, when you were looking for a job. Remember back when, when you didn't have much. But now that you have a job, now that you have a career, now that you have some in your resources, you think that this is mine, it belongs to me. Yes, it is yours. Of course it is yours. But God, it is God's. For he gives and he takes away. Everything belongs to him. So may we, from the overflow, because he first loved us, out of the overflow of the love that we have received, may we give to him. With that, let's stand to our feet. And before our benediction, let's sing the path of life in Jesus as our closing song. May you be blessed this week and be encouraged in this new week that is coming ahead. Thank you. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you, and may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you, and may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And now, may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, may continue work within us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and and ever, and as God's people we pray, amen, Amen. and amen.